0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Hangover. I'm Daniel Longside with me and Shannon White. And this one, this one's a good one. This one feels good. The Pittsburgh Steelers win yesterday, 16 to 10. It didn't feel like it was a 16 point game. It felt like a lot more. But uh Shannon, how are you doing, my man? How was how was watching the game this time for you?
2: Oh, I'm doing great. Hope you are as well, and and our audience. And um <clears throat> I said it in my article today. Uh, that I've been working on, that was like the first time that I actually enjoyed. It was entertaining. You know, you felt like you was watching a honest-to-goodness NFL caliber offense. And just so many things that we've been hoping for and asking for and praying for happened <clears throat> and happened early in the game. And then not only did they do it once or twice, which they've done, they've done it multiple times. Throughout the game, Pat Fairmuth went from being missing in action to having a 100 yard game. So it was, it was a thing of beauty. There, there probably is still a tear in my eye. I,
0: you know, I I thought about you on the first play there, Shannon. I I saw the, uh, you know, they go to the tight end over the middle. And I was like, uh, somewhere out there in West Virginia, Shannon White is smiling. And I know, (laughs) and there's some sunshine going on there. Yeah, no, right off the bat, I felt that the, uh, that the the game was different. The game plan was different. The the confidence, the physicality, mm-hmm. you know, last week against the Browns, you know, one of the things that I said that I felt like was one of the reasons why they lost that game. The Pittsburgh Steelers is, is that they weren't physical enough. It felt like they were mm-hmm. defeated. They felt like, you know, they were like, it's just, you know, half, half going out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this game here, they seem rejuvenated. And as the game progressed, it felt like they kept getting better and better or getting a little bit more confident and, and more confident. Um, you know, obviously they need to ring the bell as the announcer said it on a broadcast there, you know, get it into the end zone. But I felt like this was probably Kenny Pickett's best game, you know, as a, you know, as a starter or as a Steeler, you know, for four quarters, I don't think we've yeah. seen, yes. you know, him play four quarters. This was the first time I felt like, this was a four quarter game. This was the first time I felt like we were watching an offensive caliber team. I was excited. I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't think that the turnaround was going to be that big. Kenny Pickett, 24 for 33, 278 yards. You know, what, what did you think about his performance? And, you know, was it what you expected? Did you expect such a big turnaround?
2: I, I went into the game hoping to see things, as I said, that we haven't been seen. Mm-hmm. You know, a focus on the middle of the field and the scenes that have been ignored for years now, Um, you know, using the tight end and, and actually playing off of what the defense is doing, not just doing that wasted motion where they were sending Robertson or Austin back and forth and nobody on defense would even react. And it wasn't revealing anything. It was just wasted motion. And this time they Say, so, okay, this is the defense in, We're going to play accordingly. It was more fluidity to the offense. Um, there is sequencing it with play calling that is so important that the, that the stores lack totally under Matt Canada. And when you see Kenny Pickett completed five passes over 10 yards in the middle of the field, that's how many he had all season up to that, this point. So it's a massive change, um, and it, that's all they had to change. It they just needed to focus on things that they weren't doing, improve communication. There still was some miscommunication between Pickett and Johnson, mm-hmm. and and that's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, you know, and everything's not going to be fixed overnight. But but we actually seen a flow to the offense. And in personnel usage, this game, both running backs played well, but Harris was, he was the the main dude yesterday. Harris was running the ball so physical and so powerful and so effectively. Well, it, it, this time they didn't go away from their hot runner in the fourth. This year they closed the, this game. They closed the game out with Harris. You know, and they give him those carries that, And he closed that game out for him, basically. So um, I was so encouraged by what we've seen out of the offense. Um, Just basically not reinventing the wheel, but just doing the things that they haven't done up to this point.
0: Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. I just got kicked out back in. But I heard majority of what you had said. I I agree with it. You know, Najee Harris, and that was one of the things that I had um, wanted to see more or less – you know, from this offense was the the fact that if there is a hot hand to not yeah. go away from it, to continue to to, to go with it. And Najee definitely was that guy. He seemed like he was running with fresh legs yesterday. 15 carries, 99 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Jalen Warren, he, he had himself an, an all right game as well, but he did put the ball on the ground. I felt like that was going to, that was a huge negative. You know, that's how you get, that's how you find yourself off of the, you know, off the off the field and on the sideline, is by putting the ball on the ground. Uh, but wasn't that
2: his first fumble all year
0: that he's that the other team recovered?
2: Yeah, when um, you think about it, hard he runs, and that's the first time he's really put it on the ground. Um, I mean, it's going to happen to everybody eventually,
1: right. but
2: the Stewards are very fortunate that Harrison Warren are such are so good at ball security.
0: Yeah, for for reals and. You know, I think that, and there's been a lot of, um, you know, controversy when it comes to that play because of what Deontay Johnson did. And it's kind of taken away from, you know, Warren actually fumbling, fumbling the ball, because I think that, you know, if Warren doesn't fumble the ball, you know, uh, Deontay Johnson doesn't have to go and have a reaction. Right. But
2: but let me just be honest about that. I wrote about it in the article today. Okay, Um, Deontay Johnson Was pounding. Plain and simple, he failed to complete the catch. When you, everybody knows that when you catch that ball, you've got to maintain control. Do you hit the ground? If it would have been Jamar Chase, did that exact same play, we'd all be sitting there saying right now he didn't maintain control when he hit the ground. Uh, just because it's Dante Johnson doesn't change the fact. Uh, there's no way with Tomlin's challenge history. They were going to overturn the play call on the field. I just don't believe it. Now, he wanted them to challenge it. So when you watch his body language, he was just going half-hearted through the motions. Warren puts the ball down right next to him. And regardless if you think it's a dead ball or not, I thought it was a dead ball when it first happened. Mm -hmm. But regardless, you dive on the ball. Right. You know, I mean, he would want Warren to dive on it if he fumbled. And he just stood there. Everybody reacted but him. Right. And But, again, that's just – I wrote about it in the article, and everybody will have to read the article, but that's who he is. That's who he's always been. I mean, I've watched – the Steelers have more Hall of Fame caliber wide receivers through their history than most teams have true number one receivers. The list is long. And I've been spoiled. I admit it. I've been spoiled by these great receivers. Mm -hmm. But Deontay Johnson just does not qualify. He is what he is, and at this point of his career, it's all he's ever going to be. Now, I hope he has a monstrous rest of the season. I hope he lights up everybody, gets the Steelers in the playoffs, the offense is improving. He has a big playoff game even. Because that means at the end of the season, when they go to trade him, his value will never be higher. Mm-hmm. But that's what I want to see happen. In my opinion, he's never played like a Pittsburgh Stiller. And I understand at this point that he never will play like a Pittsburgh Stiller. Like, I think the standards has been set. So let's move on. Yeah, and get the most point. out of him we can at the end of the year.
0: That's a fair point. That's a fair point. <clears throat> Uh, steel Lee comes in with a one ninety nine super chat says uh, that first felt that first play felt like a middle finger to Canada it sure did, and then Wes comes in with a five dollar super chat says if D- if DJ is not benched and frankly inactive for the next game, it's a terrible message to the rest of the locker room, absolutely pathetic. I will say this on the on the, on the possible touchdown catch, uh, I I think he had three feet down, and if that ends up being the case where he t- or took three steps. I don't think it's possible to have three feet down, but he took three steps. <laughs> and and then the ball came out, which would have been a touchdown had Tomlin challenged it. But but you're right. It's not a 100%. There's been a lot of plays that have been challenged. I mean, we can go back to the Packers game where everybody thought that that backwards pass was going to get reversed and it ends up not happening. You know, I, I would have liked to have seen Tomlin challenge it. You know, I don't know if that's a situation where, because uh, I know he said it here in his in his post game presser, I believe it was that you know he didn't get a got a, a lot of good looks at it from the you uh,
2: don't on the road yeah
0: r- right but uh, yeah but don't you have a coach somewhere upstairs watching that or doing that and they're supposed to that that's where my concern comes in you yeah know, but look I,
2: at last week when they they give the Browns running back at Ford the touchdown mm-hmm. on the goal line there was no angle no video evidence. That that was a touchdown. Not hundred yeah. percent. And it was called uh that he didn't make it, he came up short on the field, and they give it to him. So I mean, you visa you gotta start playing Tomlin's percentages into this, and he bats a thousand and he gets them wrong. <laughs> so I, I I think that I mean, it would have been worth a challenge in the first half. Second half, no way I do it. But in the first yeah. half, you know, timeouts ain't as valuable. But right. uh, I, I just think that we've seen it so many times that whether you have to survive the, the hit in the ground when you're in the end zone like that, I've seen guys do a toe tap real quick and go out of bounds and hit and the ball come out, and even though they're way out of bounds, and they'll take that catch away from them.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Pat Fryermuth, He he had himself a game, nine, nine receptions, 120 yards. Uh, he was all over the place. It felt like, like he was the main focus of the offense when it came to the passing game. Uh, obviously with, you know, him getting almost half of, uh, Kenny Pickett's yardage. Do you think that, that that's going to continue? Or do you think that the Pittsburgh Steelers exploited the fact that, you know, they haven't really targeted the middle of the field. So I think defenses, or especially the Bengals here, probably weren't expecting them to, to do so. Uh, now that they put it on tape, do you think that that's still going to be a huge component for this offense?
2: Well, hopefully, the team suggests. If yeah. they do, it's going to leave Johnson and Pickens even more open. You can't take away sure. everything, but the Steelers have punished themselves. They have done this to themselves by not utilizing the middle of the field and the seams and all the weapons they have at tight end. I wrote in the article that the Steelers have two quality wide receivers. That's it. Hmm. And both of them lack consistency and maturity. So that's a position that's going to have to be addressed in the offseason. But what the Steelers did with Faulkner and Sullivan, they realized what they have in receiver but they have a surplus of talent and running back and a tight end. So they accentuated the running backs and the tight ends. And one of the ways to do that was to continually attack the Bengals linebackers. Now Pratt and Wilson are very good linebackers, but they can't match up with Firemuth, not consistently. And Firemuth really had himself a good game. And at the beginning of the year, my prediction was the Steelers that have one one thousand yard receiver, and I thought it would be Muth. I was expecting that kind of game more often. Yeah, but then the Steelers and and I'm, you know, somebody was saying that was a middle finger to Matt Canada. I mean, I don't know any other way you could look at it because the Steelers have just totally ignored the middle of the field during Canada's entire tenure, and they come out on the very first play and they hit the big post pass down the center. And then they kept doing it throughout the game. They hit Firmuth with another over fifteen yard pass down the middle. That hasn't happened this year. You know they hit the long post to Austin, mm-hmm. and and earlier near. But it just hasn't been there. So I think that it'll take teams a while to adjust. Yeah. With this new offense they're running, as far as the plays that they haven't been calling. But if they do that, that's great. Let them adjust because that's going to open up the rest of the offense. So I'm, I'm very encouraged that Pat Furman is going to be an increased role in this offense moving forward, but it's only going to help Johnson and Pickens.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, having another option there in the middle a security blanket, you know, that's what Heath Miller was for Ben Roethlisberger, you know, all those years ago. And I think that Pat Furman can definitely be that guy. I think he's, you know, one of the things that I was concerned about with his return, though, was how was it going to affect the running game? But, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers rushed for over 150 yards again. You know, Najee Harris, 99 yards, Jalen Warren, 49. Uh, can he pick it with five? Didn't drop off. Not, not really. You know, I think yeah. that maybe perhaps, and, and it was rumored on, that he had been dealing with a chest injury ever since week one, and then the hamstring injury happened. So that probably allowed whatever... Was going on with his chest injury to heal up, and he looked like a different player. Uh, I'm excited for what he he's going to be able to do and bring bring to the table. Uh, George Pickens he ended up with three catches, 58 yards. Uh, he he himself had five targets. 43 yard was the long. It was a beautiful pass and catch over. I believe it was was that Hilton, yeah, Mike Hilton. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I've been. You know, before the, the before the beginning of the year, I was uh, when it when it came down to the Steelers and we're talking about the schedule. I was like. I want to see that matchup. You know, Hilton, he's he's a talker and, mm. and he, he he's he's made it known. It's been talked about more than more than it came out in just this game that he's three and one against the Pittsburgh Steelers since leaving. And I was like, man, I can't wait to see uh Darnell Washington or George Pickens on a on a Mike Hilton. And we got to see it finally. It finally gets called up. You know, I guess it was Matt Canada not not calling up that play, but it, it worked to perfection. What did you think about George Pickens? Did you did you see his celebrations? Not just you know post game in the in 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 the, um, in the locker room, but bef- well on the field as well. You know, I, I didn't see that selfish player that we had seen in the last couple of weeks. W- what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I, I thought I noticed some maturity. Um, as you say, it wasn't all about oh, I caught this ball. Look at me, look at me. You know, it was more. Uh, I've done this before. Uh, Get up, get back in the huddle, do it again. Uh, That's part of maturing and being a professional. Um, I thought he played hard. I thought he blocked hard. I didn't see him uh, you know, like there was one play where Pickett had had a little pressure and he could have hit Pickett's with might have been a big pass and he led him too much, which happens especially when you got pressure coming. But I didn't think it was because Pickens didn't run full speed. You know, I've seen times where I know you see Pickens kind of drop it down again and then try to speed up again. And see, that's hard for a quarterback because he's got to be able to judge your, he you know, each receiver runs differently and has different speeds. And you have to be able to consistently count on them to run full speed. And I've seen Pickens slow down sometimes and then not be able to quite catch up to the ball. This time, that wasn't it. It was just the pressure and Pickett missing, you know, led him a little too much. So, uh, yeah, I thought that the Pickett played a more consistent game. He didn't talk as much. You know, before, after the play, he's back in the cornerback's face, you know, talking trash. If you notice, he just kind of made him and wandered back through the huddle. And, you know, so <laughs> I'll take that. That's a sign of maturity.
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's – He's probably, you know, tired of getting the flags and then the uh, the chewing on the sideline for the flags and and all the negative attention. I, I'm sure it I'm sure it adds all in the up.
2: Extra attention from the defenses.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, the blocking. So the Steelers run for uh, they rush for over 150 yards. Kenny Pickett gets sacked twice, though. Uh, I thought that Broderick Jones he, he struggled a little bit in this game. You know, this was probably one of his. um not greatest games. I, I think that he was able to, you know, for it being a bad game of his though, I, I, I thought that he, uh, he stuck it out. He was, he's tough there. And I, I like what I see of him, but this was one of his tougher games. What were your opinions of the offensive line? What did you think about Mason Cole and, and the rest of the guys here?
2: I thought the offensive line uh, stepped up. Uh, they've really improved their run blocking as we've talked about in mm-hmm. the last month. Um, you know, people are getting some tape on Jones now. And the holding call on him was bogus. I mean, it was borderline anything. I I, I was shocked they even called a penalty. Mm-hmm. But now the one pass that uh, he allowed his guy he allowed his guy to get in there and hit Pickett's arm right as he was throwing it, and it was a luckily it wasn't intercepted or something. Uh, he was just beat flat out beat on that play. And so if you look at the tape, he really, uh, as you said, had more of those moments because he's been just shutting everybody down, but he got a little more bull rush this week
0: Mm -hmm.
2: with, uh, cause one time he got caught up on Hill. Yeah. He was a very powerful defensive tackle and, and he gave him a little bit of a ride. So, um. But I thought Jones played well overall. Samalu and Daniels has been consistent. Cole, I didn't see any real bad snaps. Now, I might have missed some, you know, where I was focused on other things. But I didn't see Pickett having to jump up or dive down to get snaps. And that helps if you can count on getting a consistent snap because he was in shotgun a lot. They did the pistol formation multiple times yesterday. And a bad snap could screw everything up. So yeah, I thought that the offensive line performed well. They could have easily had more than 150 yards, but we got to remember last week against the Browns, Pickett barely hit 100. Yeah, passing yards. This week he had 278 or whatever. So you know, 150. When you have 278 passing yards, I'll take it.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, like I said, it wasn't – I wouldn't call it a a breakout game for Kenny Pickett, you know, but no, I would no, say no, no, that no. it was definitely his best game mm. and a game probably going into that direction. I mean, even PFF and, you know, and you, people give them – you know, they talk about their grades. They are what they are. Sometimes they, they're accurate. Sometimes they're well below the line. But they gave Kenny Pickett an 89. He was, uh, I think, fourth. Right, highest ranked Steeler mm-hmm. under PFF. Uh, you know, even PFF thinks that he had a, a pretty good game. I like what I saw. I think that if they can build on it, that they can definitely do something with this team. And when you look at the re- the remaining schedule and how up and down the rest of the AFC is, you know, it's not about how you start and the struggles in the beginning. It's about getting hot at the right time, and and, and getting it going towards the end of the year. And if the Steelers can get that going man it's uh you know sky's the limit ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers right now I think it's a good time to get excited uh but but we're gonna take a quick break real quick and when we come back we're gonna talk about the defense uh so don't go anywhere on YouTube stay 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 right here on the audio side only we're gonna take a quick break just a few words from our our sponsors
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal And welcome back.
0: I'm Daniel alongside with me is Shannon, we're here. We're talking about the, we're in the hangover. We're talking about the Steelers victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, before we get back into the discussion, you talked a little bit about the articles that you have coming up there, Shannon. Uh, I know one of them is the stock up, stock down. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of stock up coming up. Let us know about what's going on and what you have coming on here in the near future.
2: Well, yeah, I've been working on the stock report, uh, which posted 11 on Tuesdays. Um, I had to, you know, really focused a lot on um, Faulkner and Sullivan. You know, they were given a monumental task to rescue and salvage a floundering offense, an offense that most of us have been pointing out for years now, the incompetency of the albatross of an offensive coordinator that was hanging around the franchise's neck and they were asked to come in and try to pick up the pieces after all this damage was done. You know, when you do something matters, the, this move should have happened in the off season or at least at the bye week. And then it would have been more of a seamless transition. This, they had five days, five days to perform miracle. And in all honesty, they did. But what they did was just say, okay, we're going to do all the plays that he wouldn't do, and we're going to be not predictable. Mm -hmm. That's the first time that I've sat and watched the Stiller game that I couldn't predict to you what the next unsuccessful play was going to be based on formation and personnel. And it ain't just me. You've said it. I've heard many uh, Stiller fans sit and predict the next play. We'd be on Slack say, here it comes. You know, that should not be. And so I had to really focus in the offense on giving them the credit that they so richly deserve. So definitely check that out. I have my opinion, like I said, about the Deontay Johnson situation and how that everybody should be rooting for him to have a great close to the season and because it's only going to benefit the Steelers uh, you know, we don't want to sit him or hurt his value in any way. We want him out there. They need him because they've only got two wide receivers. Yeah. But we have to be smart and look to the future. And and that's the, and I covered that in the article. And then, of course, uh Wednesday at 8:30, we'll have the Pump Your Breaks podcast, uh, with uh Tate and Big G. And so everybody check that out. And then on Fridays at eleven is my random Stiller observation article. And there's a lot of things that I didn't, I wanted to talk about in the stock report article, but you know, some things need a paragraph. Yeah. You know, I don't need a whole article, but it needs a paragraph. So that's what that article is all about. You get multiple paragraphs you in this multiple discussion topics. So it's usually, it's really good to generate discussion between, you know, the, the, discussion thread in the community but also it's uh, the water at the water cooler at work so definitely check that out
0: that's good stuff man make sure you guys go check that out the steelcurtainnetwork.com your one-stop shop for St- pittsburgh Steelers news and coverage get up to date with all of that and much much more so uh before we transition into the defense you, you reminded me matt canada you know there was one thing that or two things that I've been hearing or I've heard that kind of made the biggest difference in this game. Uh, I think the first one was on the broadcast. They stated that all of the, the offense came together, you know, and we're in the same room talking about why this play should work and why that play should work. And then I hear Ramon Foster talking and he said that basically Matt Canada would go into his office and come up with whatever it is he wanted to do and then shoot everything out to everybody independently uh, compartmentalizing uh, the entire offense to, to a small fraction, just to con- maintain control, basically. Mm-hmm. I think that's a horrible way to run an offense for one. And, and two, <laughs> obviously it didn't work. Um, but the, the other thing that they were saying or that I heard was Ramon Foster had stated that when it came to Matt Canada, he was just not willing to take risks. Now, I thought that was a Coach Tomlin thing. You know, we have been harping on that. Is this a Coach T thing? Is he the one that doesn't want to throw over the middle? Is it? Is it, Uh, you know, is it his fear? Is he living in his fears? Apparently not. Apparently it was all on Matt Canada. And, you know, I just wanted to get those two things out because those things had came up and, and we didn't touch on those. What, what are your thoughts on those and, and if you can add to it?
2: Well, you know, <clears throat> my thoughts on Canada are – they're well known but I will not put all of the conservative offensive blame on him because I know Mike Tomlin wants that he insists on that he uh it's like his mission statement he believes that if if he wins the turnover battle and his team protects the football there isn't anybody he can't beat in the end he's he come out towards the end of Ben's career. And he was like, we got to protect the football because Ben was a gunslinger. We all remember Ben was like, you know, he might not be quite as bad as Josh Allen, but he loved to sling it like Mm -hmm. Brett Favre, like John Elway. They went for big plays. Ben would have threw deep every play, just like Terry Bradshaw. And and Tomlin was like, no, we got to protect the ball. We got to protect the ball. So it influenced Ben at the end. So I know that it influenced Canada. The problem is Canada's offense was a collegiate type offense that was made to help a team compete with a more skilled opponent. You know, it's supposed to create mismatches, your confusion, let, allow you to compete even if you're substantially smaller, slower, less healthy. Hmm. In the professional level, that just doesn't work. And then when you add in the conservative factor, you're you're taking the – I mean, so when you put all that together, it was a no-win situation, and he was never going to work as the Steelers coordinator. And honestly, he didn't have a resume to qualify as a professional coordinator. I've said before, he will never, ever sniff another professional football job in the NFL again. Definitely not at the level that he was reached with the Steelers. Uh, it just took the Steelers way too long to figure that out, but yeah. Um, I, I don't put all the blame on him, but again, even if your head coach is telling your quarterback, you know, you already got limited plays that you know, and, and the defense knows what's coming, but the head coach is telling the quarterback, now protect that ball, you got to protect that ball, don't make a mistake. You know, everybody's mentioning it and talking about it on the shows and on the pregame shows and on the that. You, you see a guy who's not playing instinctual. He's not playing backyard football. He's not letting it rip. He's thinking. He's overthinking. And he is petrified to make a mistake, heaven forbid, a turnover. So I didn't get that feeling yesterday. I, I noticed a lot of people have mentioned it. You know, they're talking about the rhythm of the game. There was a rhythm. And it felt like that everybody was working together in unison, look at the sidelines. You had Faulkner, and he was watching the game. Every time you see Kennedy, he's looking at that sheet. He's looking at that. Faulkner was watching the game, and then he would go to the sheet when he had to come up with a play. And then him and Sullivan were talking on the sidelines, and then Sullivan was talking to Pickett, and Sullivan was talking to Johnson on one occasion, and then Faulkner was talking to Harrison Warren. There was all this communication going on. Open dialogue on the sidelines. That makes a difference. That makes a difference. The only guy that has a good opinion can't be your offensive coordinator. Yeah. The players are out there in the heat of battle. They go to see things that he don't. And and a wise man listens to good counsel. So that was one of the things I talked about in the article. I thought they did a great job. Instead of being on the sidelines, looking like he's pouting and being punished, like Canada did there in the Cleveland game, you've seen guys actively and emotionally engaged in what was happening on the field. I think it made a big difference.
0: Oh, a huge difference. I mean, the, the results were there. I mean, one game without Canada and, and the Steelers are over 400 yards total offense, something that Canada could not do in his entire tenure as the offensive <laughs> coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's had, I mean, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, he had Ben Roethlisberger, who was a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yes, he was forty and uh, or thirty-nine at the time, and, and 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 whatnot. But it's still, I mean, you come back, you have Kenny Pickett and Mitch, and and you know, you, there's a lot of doubt there because I'm seeing it now. This offensive coordinator was just inept. You know, I mean, it's it's it is what it is. But trans transitioning to the defense, and T.J. Watt you know, had had a couple of sacks yesterday. He was a, a presence. Uh, he looked like he was himself again. I think he had a, a great game. But to me, one of the uh, the surprise players on the defense is Trenton Thompson. The guy yeah. Yeah. Th- comes out of nowhere. You know, this is two times in a row where he puts his hands on the ball. This time he comes down with it two games in a row. You know, I think that he's a, he's a hard-hitting safety. He's... um I don't know what his athleticness is about or or isn't. I don't know what his 40 combine is, but he looks like he's able to keep up up there in the Mm -hmm. field. He's not getting trailed behind. You know, I I think this guy could be a good guy to pair up next to Minka as far as putting somebody in the box. That's not afraid to hit and let Minka go back and do what he does best Mm -hmm. and be that ball hawking safety. What are your thoughts on Trent Thompson and, and where do you think his ceiling could be?
2: Uh, yeah, I was definitely going to mention TJ Um, in that he, whatever that hill issue was, mm-hmm. if it was plantar fasciitis, whatever, uh, he seems to be getting back. We're seeing more of that TJ Watt explosiveness. When he come in, I couldn't believe they didn't block him on that one play because I know that the tackle thought that the tight end was going to chip him and he didn't touch him. So, by the time that I think it's Williams' turn, I mean, Watt was gone and, and he engulfed Browning. It was beautiful. And uh, so we're seeing Watt consistently every week make those kind of plays. Even the weeks that Alex Highsmith kind of were like, you know, he's playing solid, sitting the edge, you know, he, he's doing good, but he's not getting the pressure. Watt is consistently doing it. And uh, so uh, I thought he, he was very vital yesterday, very, very important. Uh, Thompson has just been, you know, he was a lot of people's darling at training camp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, would have loved to have seen him make the team right then, but it wasn't in the cards. Um, but he has been just such a relief and an answer to prayer because he's filling in so well for Fitzpatrick allowing the defense to keep a high standard because they're missing Fitzpatrick very badly. But when you have Walker, uh, Michael Walker comes in and fills in and, and, you know, gets up to speed so quickly. If you notice, he's communicating and yelling verbally pointing people where they need to be. And he's only been with the team three weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know he had experience in Atlanta, But Mikel Walker has just been an answer to prayer as well. Roberts is playing excellent. But then in the backfield, you had to have somebody to help fill that loss for Fitzpatrick because Kazee is what he is. And then Neil goes down. And so I have been very, very pleased with Thompson. I think he's earned him a spot on this team for next year. Uh, And there is a spot there. Because I don't think Kazi's is the answer. He is a role player. He's not a starting, strong safety for sure. You know Thompson's substantially taller and bigger than Kazi. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, like you said, uh, I don't. I'd hate to think of where the Steelers would be right now without Thompson.
0: Oh yeah, and, and and even PFF gave him his flowers. So did Mike Tomlin. PFF had him ranked as the second highest player uh, on the Steelers defense behind TJ Watt.
2: I didn't
0: and, hear that that's great. Yeah, he was uh, he he got a 90.1. That's on, awesome on the PFF grade and you know I I'm excited about him. I mean it, and also he allows Mika FitzPatrick Mika FitzPatrick to get healthy. You know, one of the things that happened with Pat Firemuth is I think they they rushed him back a little bit too fast. He, he ends up getting hurt in in, uh, in practice pulls his hamstring and then it extended him out until, you know, another 4 weeks. So you know I think they've learned their lesson with Pat Fimouth with a Minka Fitzpatrick injury. they have a guy there that's you know playing to the standard right now the the stretch of games that the Pittsburgh Steelers now have you know isn't too daunting you mm. know it's 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 an easier schedule a schedule that you can expect that you know the players that are are available should be able to hold up to the uh, the standard uh, but you know this defense, Played well. And I think a lot of the reason why they played well, too, is the fact that they weren't on the field all all game. It, you know, the, the offense is time of possession. I think they had 37 minutes of time of possession. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Perfect. Um, another guy that had a big game for the defense, in my opinion, was Herbig. I mean, well, he had a big sack, at least he oh, yeah. hit the quarterback. And I mean, I got a little worried there. I thought maybe he hit him a little too hard, you know, he just because harsh. of you. You know, how, you know how the refs are. I was like, oh my God, he, it looked like a legal hit, but he may have hit him a little too hard. Uh, I thought he's doing well. You know, I think this defense is it's coming around. This entire team is coming around. What, what, were, what else? What did you think about Herbig and the rest of the defense outside of TJ Watt and Trent Thompson?
2: Yeah, when Herbig did that, uh, Browning rolled out to his left. And Herbie's coming. Now, I didn't realize it was Herbie. I thought it was uh, Highsmith. And then he was just like, zoom. I mean, he just, he closed so quickly. And I realized right before he hit Brownie, oh, God, that's Herbie. (laughs) He should have got rid of that ball because Herbie was coming in a hurry. And he's got such great closing speed. His closing speed is right there with Watts. Mm -hmm. And, and, And that was a beautiful play. I mean, what, it was like a 19 yard loss. It was a big, big play and a big part of the game. So uh, I'm really happy with that depth they have there. I, like I said, I can't say enough. I mean, Mark Robertson, who I wanted to see get some snaps to help Roberts not be exhausted at the end of the game. Well, the Steelers' time of the position, 37 minutes, 17 seconds. They kept the ball away from since and they forced multiple three and outs, so there really was no need to go deep into the depth chart. Yeah, so uh, you know, Robertson got no play, but um, Walker has been such a great pickup. Uh, again, you know, I was concerned having Robertson and Roberts out there at the same time because they're the same type player and they would be exposed. One time yesterday, Walker, uh, well, multiple times, run down guys. Walker has excellent speed and mobility. And he was making the plays that Quan Alexander was making. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, very impressed. Uh, again, Keanu Benton, the defensive line played very well. And they don't even have Montrevious Adams right now. But the defensive line held up very well. Um, to whereas Milk And Leal hardly played. I think they had a total of three snaps between them.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
2: And so, you know, the guys who played controlled that line. And uh, I will say something I've noticed. I don't know if you have. But um, Cam Hayward is not the same. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm saying it's probably the recovery from the groin surgery. That was substantial when we hear about what all they had to do. That yeah. was the substantial surgery. He might not get his burst back this year, if ever. Mm-hmm. And so he's still very effective as a run defender. But his pass rush is, it's not what it used to be. Used to be, I was like, oh, we need a big play. And Cameron Hamer was one of the guys I counted on to collapse that pocket and force a mistake or get a sack. I don't see that now. He, you know, it's it's a lot of um a lot of wrestling and hugging and pushing and you know, because he don't have that burst right now. Whether that comes back, I'm not sure. But um the other guy I'd like to mention is Joey Porter Jr. Mm -hmm. You take on the challenge. I believe that Chase is probably the toughest one on one matchup in the NFL. Yeah. Because Chase has he's a great route runner. He's taller than most route runners, um, and he's got great speed. So I'm like, this could be a tough matchup, because uh, Cooper last week gave Porter some trouble, because Porter, you know, Cooper is a uh, a crafty route runner. But I thought that Porter held up very well against Chase. I mean that that deep ball down the sidelines was a perfect throw. And Chase waited till the last second to put his hands up to catch that ball. Or I believe Porter was in position to knock it away. Um, but Porter, one thing I love about it, he don't make the same mistake twice. If he does give up a big play, it don't shake his confidence. He's right back on the guy the next play. That's a short-term memory loss that all great quarterbacks have. And I think the Steelers got a steal with getting him in the first pick of the second
0: round. Oh, 100%. I mean, let me let me read out the stats there for, for Mr. Mister Porter. Puka Nakua, yeah. one for four for 22 yards, zero touchdowns. Devontae Adams, one for three, 12 yards, zero touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, two for four, 20 yards, zero touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins, one for five, 17 yards, zero touchdowns. Jamar Chase, two for two, 36 yards, zero touchdowns. I mean, this guy... Yep. Is that is amazing. I <laughs> real mean deal. real deal. Yeah, these aren't, you know, third third string wide receivers or the slot receiver, yeah. you know, practice squad guy may, you know, have an evaluation or an elevation up into the, you know, the game. These are, you know, wide receiver one quality wide receivers. Yeah. And and if not stars at the position and he's he's locking them down. I think that you're right. The Pittsburgh Steelers did get a steal when it came to uh, joy porter jr and i mean this draft class is probably going to be one of the best ones or, or going to be known to, as being one of the best ones you know over time if they continue in this trajectory yeah. i mean joy porter Broderick jones like i said he, he struggled yesterday but even in a struggling uh, game he he played he played good i mean it wasn't it wasn't great it wasn't bad either you know, we've definitely seen a lot worse when it came to the tackles yeah. with the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he, he played he played all right, and I think that every you know everybody's gonna have a bad game here or there. Um, but if that's his bad game, I'll take it. And yeah. you know, Keanu Benton, man, he's he's a guy. Also, I think he he reminds me of of Stephon Tuitt. You know, bigger guy, arms strong, just kind of moving him around, wilding around. And getting up, you know, big dude. They can also apply pressure to the quarterback. It's
2: great contact balance. Yeah, I mean, when he's going in there, and there'll be two guys. He's splitting the double team, and they'll hit him, and he like goes through with like they ain't even there, and he don't get knocked off balance and you know weevil around. He, I guess, where he looks such like such a natural athlete. Mm -hmm. When you see him without pads, he's put together like a big running back. Yeah. You know he does. He ain't top heavy or, you know, real big on the bottom. Uh, you know he looks like an athlete, like a running back, like or a big tight end, and but maybe that's why his contact balance is so good. But he just moves through congestion and traffic so easily. Uh, I believe he's going to be a star.
0: Oh, I, I do too. I, I think he is. I, I think we found. Probably our replacement for Cam Hayward, and I'm yeah. not sure how long Cam is going to be playing. You know, in this league, you know, like you said, he's 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 not there, and it's probably a lot to do with the uh, with the growing surgery that he had earlier this year. As far as why, you know, he's yeah. not himself, but you know, he's getting up there in age. Is he is he going to ever actually be himself again? Is the question, and I don't know. But what's with- the problem. That's that's the thing too. The contract a is a problem. Now, how many years does he have left?
2: Uh, on the contract, yeah, uh, at least two, maybe three.
0: Jeez, and and I know they're hefty. It's a it's a hefty yeah. contract. Yeah. It's not it's not a small one. So um, yeah, that's going to be a, a discussion for the Steelers after the season. But for right now, I think he's he's serviceable until Montavious Adams Montravius Adams can come back. You know, I think once Montravius Adams is is, is healthy and back able to get out there onto the field. I think that maybe perhaps at that point um, maybe Cam can take, you know, a couple of snaps off to get prepared, better prepared and maybe exactly. a little bit better healthy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So – That's where we are at. at That middle linebacker position. You touched on it a little bit, Uh, Michael Walker. I thought he played pretty well. You know, I I noticed him last week, but I didn't know what number he was. So when I saw thirty-eight running around, I was like, "Who's the the safety?" Like, I was like, I thought uh, at first I was like, I thought Keanu Neal got hurt. I was like, that was that's not Keanu Neal. (laughs) And so,
2: I think um, I think a Worley. When I see thirty-eight, I think a Worley
0: oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i i didn't think of a a middle linebacker so i saw him out there and he was making some some plays i think that that's probably going to be the biggest weakness once minka fitzpatrick comes back and 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 health starts to you know trend in the right direction Uh, the biggest weakness is going to be the middle linebacker position uh steelers they picked up uh, blake martinez uh this past week Uh, what do you think about the future for this year um in the middle linebacker position, do you think that they have enough guys? Do you think that um, that this group of guys is is able to make a push into the playoffs if if we get there?
2: Um, I, I think that Mikael Walker was a great pickup uh, because he gives them a lot of that athleticism and mobility that they lost when Holcomb and Alexander went down. Roberts is who he is. So if they could get Martinez up to speed and and spell uh, the starters 10, 12 snaps a game and get Robertson into the rotation, again, 10, 12 snaps a game, you keep your starters fresh. Because I think Walker and Roberts have played well together. For two weeks in a row now, mm-hmm. I've I'm been impressed. Um, now, like you said, in the off season, there's going to be changes. There's got to be upgrade uh, because you got Holcomb oh. signed, but he's got to come back from that knee injury. He's going to miss some of the season, and then Alexander I think was a one year deal. So you got to decide what you're going to do there. But they got to get younger at that position. Uh, I think Roberts is a one year guy too. So they got a lot of them one-year rental guys that they're going to have to make a decision on. But they're going to have to decide at the remainder of this year, can Robertson, Then they trust him enough to get in there and play as part of the rotation a handful of snaps each game? If he's not mentally capable, that they do not trust him, he doesn't need to be on the roster. mm <laughs> You know, either you can contribute or you can't. Now, I know physically I've watched him do it. So it has to be mental capacity. And they say that uh, Mark probably said that he fell out of favor, and that's when they decided to start Walker. So something's happened. Maybe he they don't feel like he studied hard enough. He don't know the playbook good enough. Whatever it is, either you can contribute or you don't need to be on the roster. What I don't want to see happen is them had to have Miles Jackson there because yeah. Jackson was past his expiration date last year. I understood bringing him back on the practice squad that if an emergency happened, he could spot Phil, you know, a role for a while. But in, in a perfect world, he doesn't see the field.
0: Yeah, no I agree. You know, I was I was for the the signing for Miles Jack just solely because of the fact that he's been on the team before and in a pinch need be he knows the defense and also maybe perhaps he can be a, a mentor or a guide for some of these newer guys to the team um you know like a Walker or Blake Martinez to kind of show them, you know, the ins and outs uh, as probably well I mean you gotta know, be the most experienced probably Steelers linebacker there is. I mean, there's R- Mark Robinson who's been here the longest, but he's mm, I don't know if you want to take a lot of uh, uh advice from him right now when it comes to the defense.
2: <laughs> I don't know if he knows what's going on. Something's going on.
0: Well, I mean, he's a converted running back and yeah. he's he's definitely a project, but you know, by the sounds of it, a project like that does you know probably deserves to be on the practice squad, not a not a part of the fifty three, like you were mentioning. Um, what about the special teams? You know, I think that uh, Presley Harvin, he didn't. I don't think he shanked anything. Um, Boswell, he was able to. He, he did well. Uh, did you yep. see his wave at the end of the game? Uh, yeah. I thought that was. <laughs> you didn't see that. Didn't the, see yeah, yeah. After he kicked the uh, the game winner, he um he was uh or when he kicked the the one that would end up winning the field the, the game, he was out there doing his uh. Uh, George Pickens wave when George um, catches... Oh, a ball, okay, okay. I didn't this. see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was waving out to everybody. I, I thought special teams did okay. I think there was a, a kickoff return uh, that went for some yards by the by the Bengals and there was a few punts that ended up into the um, into the end zone there that I thought that probably could have had an opportunity to be downed inside of the five or the 10-yard line. Uh, what were your thoughts on the special teams in this game?
2: I thought that uh Harvin he kicked some into the end zone uh that like a one they ended up knitting net, like 20 yards because they you know uh he kicked it too far, he kicked it into the end zone on the fly. um he didn't totally shake any so based on what he's done in previous weeks, that was an improvement. uh Boswell's money, I mean, he just is. Um, Thank God they got him. Uh, I watched Tucker miss a 47-yarder last night for the Ravens. So um, maybe he's a little more human, we realize, and maybe Boswell will, will, you know, get more respect. Because Boswell is an excellent – he's the best kicker in Stiller history, bar none.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, I mean, there's not even a – I mean, Gary Anderson was really good, but Gary Anderson's range was about 50 yards. Well, we know Boswell can kick up from 60 if he has to. So, uh, Boswell's got it all. The thing that irritated me, and they've done this a few times this year, why kick it short of the end zone? Boswell can easily kick it out of the back of the end zone.
0: Hmm.
2: But sometimes they kick it short. And they do it on purpose. Well, that's fine. But some of these returners are getting past the 25, and you're making a mistake. Just kick it in the end zone and trust your defense. I trust the defense more than I do the return coverage things.
0: I, I agree. I think that uh, Cincinnati was wet and cold. I don't know if it was windy or not. I do know it was raining, so I don't know if that played a factor into why why they don't go out the end zone. But uh, yeah, you're right. I, I just kick it out. At the end of the day, I mean, most what, what the with the new with the new um, rules where a a kickoff returner can just, you know, wave his hand, do a fair catch and get it at the 25 anyways. Uh, and I don't know. I just would kick it out of the end zone as well. I think you're absolutely right on that. Um, but when it came, you know, total, the Steelers win. They win, you know, the it's 16 to 10. They still scored under 20 points again. But I felt that this game and this team just looked a, a lot better to kind of just put a bow on everything. And I thought that the defense played well because they didn't have to be on the field. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the offense, uh, I mean everybody just looked like that monkey was off their back, that stress was gone, and they looked like they had fun for the first time in a while. offense defense, the whole nine yards. I'm excited about this team moving forward. I'm excited about where they're going to be going. Um, wh- wh- what do you think now? if the Steelers continue to play in this in this um, you know trajectory at, at this performance and they don't take another step back? Where do you think their ceiling is as far as wins? The remaining schedule, you think they can get to 11, 12, 13 wins? Where do you think they're at?
2: You know, it's really, I've said it before, and I, I'm going to keep saying it. I care more that they get on a streak of execution, mm-hmm. if they, especially on offense, get healthy on defense, get Fitzpatrick back. But if the offense can continue to show improvement each week and Pickett gets into rhythm with his receivers and the passing game can catch up to the running game, they could be a problem for teams to handle uh, because the time of possession will improve. Uh, the way the team's are built right now, they, they're not going to beat themselves uh, with stupid penalties and turnovers. And, If you can place clean football in the playoffs, you know, you can upset people. So um, now I was predicting 11 wins. Now 12 ain't out of the picture. You know, 12 is not out of the picture. And, but I'm more, I want to see them on an upward trajectory, uh, offensively improving and hit the playoffs, as you say, full steam, you know, on a roll. That's when they've won in the past. They won as a wild card, but they were on a roll at the end of the year. You got to get hot at the right time. You don't want to peak in the middle of the season. So right now, there's still time. You're playing two teams in a row that's got two victories. That you can't take either one for granted because they can lose to anybody. Because you know, but they have to show improvement, and it, that will be putting points on the board finish the drives. If they can do that, then we can see a winning streak here, uh, set comfortable maybe at number two in the division, and and then see what happens when the playoffs hit.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is a team that I think that, like you said, uh, for me personally, I, th- I was thinking based on the strength of schedule, and how they were performing up until the point where they fired Matt Canada. I, I was thinking nine to 10 wins was probably where they're going to be at. Now that I've seen the, you know, a, a glimpse of what they possibly could be. And I think that if they can kind of, you know, just work on capitalizing on drives and getting those, you know, turning those threes into sixes and, and getting those touchdowns, then I think that this team's definitely going to be. I mean, they got a chance. I think they're going to be more than competitive. I'm excited. You guys should be excited. This team is going to – it seems like they're about to get hot at the right time. You can't get better than this. The Steelers football, it's it's about to be December, and, you know, the Steelers are – it's playoff time. You know, it's playoff talk. Let's get into it. Let's get excited. This team's definitely, I think, uh, on an upward hill. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's joined us. Thank everybody that's subscribed and liked. We appreciate all of you guys. I'll be back on Friday on the audio side only. So if you're not listening to the audio only side, you're missing a lot of different content. Uh, On Fridays, I do an audio only podcast for Steel Curtain Network. It's called State of the Steelers. comes out everywhere. Podcasts are found. Apple, Spotify, the whole nine yards. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. That's being said. Uh, Shannon, take us out.